The story almost comes off the rails, but Beetlejuice's charm lies more in the execution. The movie is crammed with visual invention and snappy comedy. The afterlife is richly imagined as a macabre bureaucracy. The living world is no less outlandish, especially with those eye-popping interiors and costumes. For me, the film's only flaw is that the house actually looks better after its remodeling. Burton was a bracing new talent with a head full of ideas here. His now-familiar Dr. Seuss gothic sensibility was a novelty, and, crucially, it was still tethered to the real world. Hey, gays and ghouls, I'm Katie Toole. And I'm Sean Reedy. This is Friday Night Frights. A podcast about Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, and Harry Belafonte. <laughs> we, we know better. We know better. We're not going to say it three times. Nah. We're not, we're not getting that man here. <laughs> <laughs> Although he can party. He can, he can party. Yeah, but he's a little... Mm. His personality is a little questionable. <laughs> no, I don't want to hang with that man. No, no. <laughs> and of course, that man that we're talking about is Beetlejuice. Oh, no. I said it. That's the third time. <laughs> <laughs> I've done messed up, guys. <laughs> Great. If you don't hear from us again, you'll know why. Speaking of not hearing from us, you're probably wondering where the hell we've been. Yeah, we've been a little absent. A little absent been a little inconsistent this year we're hoping that uh that will end now and we can start putting out episodes more regularly uh i do have a small excuse i got married last yeah just, month. just a, <laughs> a small minor reason behind why we were life thing yeah it's fine <laughs> had one of the most beautiful weddings i've ever seen <laughs> and sean was one of the best bridesmen mm. that's ever existed yeah, who couldn't stop crying. <laughs> <laughs> but before that, he made sure that every object that I forgot got to the ceremony, which okay. was a lot of things. Made that happen. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, this is also the second anniversary of this podcast. Yes, it is. Another, you know, major life milestone right, right there. It's, it's funny because it's funny because Wendy and I actually started dating right before we started this podcast. So it's yep. like my relationship and the podcast have grown together. Oh, I remember when you were all excited about it. Going on dates. I know. Oh, that was when we were hanging out, recording the podcast. <laughs> yep. Literally getting ready to record everything. If I went back to the raw recordings of those early episodes, like yep. not the edited versions, but the raw ones, I would probably find me like gushing about her to you. Yep. Guaranteed. Yep. I can guarantee that I was there. <laughs> you're like yes that did happen i was there <laughs> it did actually you told happen. me <laughs> so yes so tonight in honor of our second anniversary we are doing one of my favorite films of all time of oh, any genre period if you have been around since the beginning of the podcast or if you've listened to the like first episode of the podcast you might know this already but if you haven't or you don't i actually have a beetlejuice tattoo mm-hmm it's a sandworm in the shape of an Ouroboros on my ribcage. It's awesome. But. <laughs> so yeah, I really love this movie. 
It is a phenomenal film. It just is. It's just a classic. It's just mm-hmm. a classic. And honestly, this is one that I really like. This is another like. I wouldn't say it's necessarily like. I mean, it's horror adjacent. It is. It is a horror movie in a way, but a, a comedy horror movie. It's but, more yeah. It's yeah. more comedy. But uh, but it's one that I can watch at any time of the year. Oh yeah. No, this does not have a season. No. 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 This is a summer movie. Mm-hmm. It's a winter movie. It's a Halloween movie. Really, I think the story takes place during the summer. It does. Because they're yeah. in Connecticut, so, and it's warm, so yeah. it must be summer. Oh, yeah. Evidence that it's not necessarily a Halloween movie is the fact that they released this movie in March. Yeah, yeah. It was released March 30th, 1988, directed, of course, by Tim Burton, mm-hmm. one of his classics. I mean, like, this is Tim Burton canon. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is his third movie, technically, ever. I think so. And the first one was, the well, the first one was Frankenweenie. Right. And then Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yes. Yeah. So Pee Wee's Big Adventure was actually the reason that this movie happened because Mm -hmm. Pee Wee's Big Adventure was a huge hit. And then after that, like this guy who was just sort of weird and going from like studio to studio with his little claymation stories um, was suddenly like a moneymaker. And they're mm-hmm. like, hey, let's make him, let's let him make more stuff and right. let's let him do what he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, so he actually started working on Batman before he started working on this movie. Right. But development for Batman was sluggish. Um, so he made this one instead. Burton actually oversaw a complete rewrite of the script. Um, Michael McDowell wrote the original script and then Burton brought in Warren Skarin, I think we're going to say that's how you say it. Yeah. Uh, to rewrite it. And the original script was actually a lot darker. Like the original script might have actually been a true horror movie. Yes. And they rewrote mm-hmm. it to be more of a comedy mm-hmm. with like, you know, just a spooky bent. Right. Which I think, I think in this plot, I, mm, I could see it being good as a, as more of a traditional horror movie, but I think I like it better as this concept. It's just absurd. Like, right. that's the thing. Like, the story is absurd. The story wouldn't work it, as yeah. being actually scary because it's just silly. Right. Like, it's silly. <laughs> so. <laughs> and we love it for being silly. Mm-hmm. But. Um, but yeah, so he got a rewritten script. He got $15 million, um, $1 million of which was for special effects, which is hilarious. I'm like, just a million? Just a million. Like, because they, they... I love the special effects in this because of, their, because of the fact that they're both great and cheesy. Yes. And Burton did that on purpose. Oh, yeah. Like, he was going for... Well, I mean, we saw... I mean, if you've seen Mars Attacks, right? You know that Tim Burton loves B-movies. And, yes. Um... He was going for that sort of obviously fake, but visually stunning. Yes. Right? And, Mm -hmm. like, I think that really became his aesthetic in a way that got to the point where it was exaggerated so much that it usurped everything else. Yep. (laughs) Like, by the time you got to some of his, like, more recent films. Um, But back here, back then, it was still fresh and it was still innovative and nobody Mm -hmm. had ever seen 
a movie like Beetlejuice before. Right. And it was actually a commercial and critical success. Yeah, I had no idea that this won multiple Academy Awards. Yeah, like this this was not like this is not like a cult classic in the traditional nope. sense of when they like it just was this horrid movie that got forgotten and then like nerds like us found it. Like no no, no no, big hit. Right. Huge hit. Yes. Which is why it got, you know, the the animated series, which mm-hmm. I will admit, okay. I think I watched the animated series first. Okay. And then saw the movie. Because the animated series was on when I was a kid, right? right? I was two, I think. What is 88? Yeah, I was two. Well, not even, because it was March when this movie came out. And then I think the series came out like a year later. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was watching the, I was watching the animated series from the time I was like four. Which, you know, it's probably not <laughs> that surprising. Not at all. Um, what I love, and I, I found out today as I was researching the development, is that everyone in fucking Hollywood auditioned to be Lydia Dietz. Yes. Do you want to hear the list? Do you want to hear the list list's at them. home? Let's, let's list them. Sarah Jessica Parker, Brooke Shields, Lori Laughlin, Diane Lane, Justine Bateman, Molly Ringwald, huh? <laughs> Juliette Lewis, Jennifer Connelly, and Alyssa Milano. Just a handful. Just everyone. And I could like potentially see Alyssa Milano doing it. I know that she was the runner up. Mm-hmm. Like she was. Yeah, she was. Yeah. yeah if like Ryder had. If Winona mm-hmm. Ryder hadn't been able to do it for some reason, Alyssa Milano. But, uh, hmm, Alyssa Milano would have gotten the role. But like, while I could see her potentially being in that role, potentially, mm-hmm. like, I can't see any of the Tim Burton movies. Like, I can't imagine, like, you know, he's he's cast her in multiple roles. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine a Tim Burton world without Winona Ryder. Right. Like, it just needs to happen. Right. Yeah. Like, this, she is Lydia. Oh, absolutely. She is strange and unusual. <laughs> Her whole life is a dark room. <laughs> it's just so quotable. <laughs> it is. We actually, I mean, if I'm sure you have noticed that. We always named the episode after a random quote from the movie. Mm-hmm. And we're having a very hard time right now deciding what this episode is going to be called <laughs> because there's just so much gold here. Yeah, there's just infinite quotes. So many. I think I could probably recite it from beginning to end. <laughs> but I expect nothing less. Mm. And that's actually what this episode is. <laughs> Surprise! Special second anniversary. It's just going to be a sh- just a shadow cast of Katie just reciting <laughs> Beetlejuice from beginning to end. <laughs> You're welcome. No, that's not. I wouldn't do that to you. But we are going to go through it. We are going to go through it. Mm-hmm. But first, it is Shock Tale Hour. Tonight's Shock Tale is called The Cocktail for the Recently Deceased. Ooh. It's got a bit of a tropical tang to it, right? Because this movie is inexplicably filled with calypso music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> why? I don't Nobody know. Nobody knows. <laughs> but why not? Because apparently in the original script, it was like R&B. Oh, really? Yeah. Like here, I think it said, <laughs> originally Lydia was going to dance to When a Man Loves a Woman at the End. 
Mm. Wouldn't have worked. No. Wouldn't have been as good. Mm. No. Great song. Great song, but not... Does not fit. Yeah. Not jumping the line. All right. The cocktail for the recently deceased consists of a shot of Midori, the green melon liqueur, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, A shot of pomegranate juice, an ounce of pineapple juice, a shot of tequila, and then you top that whole thing with ginger ale. Ooh. It should be a very interesting color. <laughs> yes, it sounds delicious. <laughs> and it should have, like I said, that kind of tropical tropical spring in your step. <laughs> Don't sing a song on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there were a lot of people that, you know, went up to try to be cast for Lydia. There mm-hmm. weren't nearly as many that... Uh, were uh, at least a potentially cast for Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Tim Burton's main main uh, main choice for Beetlejuice was none other than Sammy Davis Jr. I mean, he would have tap danced, and I'm gonna say I wouldn't have hated that. I mean, I would not have hated that at all. How old was Sammy Davis Jr. in 1988? Because oh, I feel like he was... Pr- I mean, he passed away two years later. Right. So. (laughs) uh, Oh, but he was only 64. Yeah. Okay. So he wouldn't have been that old, but. Yes. uh, Sammy Davis Jr. Dudley Moore also. Which Dudley Moore would have had the skis down for sure. (laughs) Dudley Moore was great at skis. (laughs) I mean, that is a compliment. Um, And Angelica Houston was considered for Delia. Yes, which I could see. I could see. But again, Catherine O'Hara. It's Catherine O'Hara. I mean, yeah. like, I think I mentioned this when we were talking about the nightmare before Christmas. But I saw a meme go around a couple of years ago that was like, oh, my God, I didn't realize that Moira Rose is the mom from Home Alone. And I'm like, you did, you did not. Like, what? Catherine O'Hara. Delia Dietz. Like, come on. Delia Dietz was so popular as a character that they made her into a much larger character in the animated series. They also made her a lot nicer and, like, much different, but, like... Oh, weird. I can't see her being nicer. Right. Oh, yeah, it was a completely different character. But, like, her mom was, like, a much nicer character, or, like, a much bigger character in the the animated series, but... I mean, she was a standout role. She was. Amongst a handful of standout roles. I mean, this is a great cast. Yes. So you have, like we have already said... um, well, have we said yet? Michael Keaton played Beetlejuice. We all know this, right? right. <laughs> did we actually say that? I don't so think we did. Michael Keaton Michael Keaton played Beetlejuice. Uh, and Winona Ryder played Lydia. Mm-hmm. The Maitlands, Barbara and Adam, were played by Gina Davis, who mm-hmm. is phenomenal, and uh, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Which Baldwin? Alec. Uh, respectively. Jeffrey Jones played Charles Dietz. In another absolutely, like, much more subtle, but comically brilliant. Like, Jeffrey Jones doesn't have to say anything. He'll just be standing there, and you'll be laughing. (laughs) Just the facial facial expressions. The facial expressions, the bearing, right? 
the scene where the sculpture comes through the window where he's just like <laughs> making his tea and like just making the tea. He's just making tea. But it's hilarious for some reason, just because Jeffrey Jones is so good mm-hmm. at just quiet comedy. Yes. And there's really no other quiet comedy in this movie. No. So. <laughs> no, Catherine O'Hara is the literal opposite. <laughs> yep. In almost everything she does. Yes. And we love her for it. Um, Sam Kinison was the only other one that was uh, potentially going to be Beetlejuice. Oh, right, 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 right. Yes. And it's funny, like, for the longest time when I was younger, like, okay, so I watched Beetlejuice when I was, when I was younger, but it was like, I would say I was probably like 12 the first time that I saw it. Okay. Honestly. Um, it's much younger than that. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I was, I should have had, I should have seen it sooner. Uh, it almost still baffles me that that is Michael Keaton. Yes. <laughs> it is. I'm like him. Mm-hmm. It's him. The fact that I think it says something to the really immense talent of Keaton as a character actor. Because I feel like in the 90s, he became the sort of like everyman type of guy. Yes. Right? But like, he's a character actor. Oh, absolutely. At his core, mm-hmm. right? And this is a perfect example. And the fact that he went from this to Bruce Wayne. I- <laughs> Within, like, what, a year? A year. (laughs) Like, Like, oh, okay. All right. I mean, both crazy in their own right. But yeah, I mean, true. True, 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 true. (laughs) Isolated. Right. They have to be called to really do anything. Just one uses light and one uses sound. It's interesting. We're going to write an essay on the... (laughs) We're going to write an essay about the similarities between Beetlejuice and Bruce Wayne. Fuck a bunch of shit up and no one seems to... (laughs) In the in the interest of in the interest of saving someone, actually fucks a bunch of shit up. Yep, it's great. But it is it is like it's Keaton's delivery of so many of these lines. Oh yeah, that make them so quotable mm-hmm. and make them so memorable. It's just so good. It goes with most, babe. Um. So yes, so the film begins and we meet the Maitlands, mm-hmm. Barbara and Adam, like we said, played by Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin, uh, respectively. They are just perfect. Like yes. their little lives are just content and peaceful and they are so in love and they are spending their vacation from the hardware store that he owns i think so they must have just closed the store like i don't know how you get a vacation from a business that you own i guess you just give yourself a vacation but (laughs) but they're spending it at home and their peace is only disrupted by jane who is someone the one thing that is never well i guess there's a lot of things that are never explained in this movie but one of the things that is not explained is who exactly Jane is. Right. She's a real estate agent. We know that. Mm-hmm. And at one point she says, when speaking of their death, they were family. I was devastated. So, and Adam immediately sends Barbara to dispatch her. So I'm thinking she's probably like a relative on Barbara's side of the family, like a cousin. That's the only thing that I can think of because I mean like... You... She also calls her pumpkin. Yeah. Which... Uh... 
I feel like you wouldn't do if you were just like a real estate agent, right. even if you were weird. No, I feel like that's more of a family thing. Right, 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 right. More of a cousin, aunt. Right, cousin or aunt, right. Like someone who's like older than she is, but, Mm -hmm. you know, family. Anyway, whoever she is, she's a real estate agent. And she's trying to sell their house. And she says that she has a $260,000 offer, which in 1988 was a shit ton of money. Uh, Yes. How much was it? it? I love this game. Hold on. We're going to find out. Let's convert the money. How much more money would it be? Over 600000 Oh, that's it? Yeah. So just, you know, a few coins. Two, and that, that offer has come from a man in New York who wants to get away from it all. Right. Which, she's obviously talking about the Dietzes. So the Dietzes uh, wanted the yes. house. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, let's be clear. Charles Dietz wanted the house. Yes. No yes. one else in his family wanted the house <laughs> no. at all. But Charles Dietz wanted the house before the Maitlands died, and he was willing mm-hmm. to pay a lot of money for it. Yes. Right. Um, but they refuse. They say, no, this is our house. We've worked very hard on it. We're going to live here until we die. Right. Essentially. Well. <laughs> then they go to town. They go to town because Adam has to pick some stuff up from his store. The stuff is just sitting on the counter for some reason. Must have forgotten it. And on their way back home, they almost hit a dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, veer off the side of a covered bridge, crash through it, and fall into the river. Mm-hmm. And they drown. Despite the fact that that was an imminently survivable car crash. Oh, absolutely. Well, but if you, uh, <laughs> I guess if you look at the original script, though. Yes, it like, makes more sense in the original script. Yes, because uh, I just forgot her character's name. Gina Barbara? Davis. Thank you. Jesus. <sighs> yes, because in the original script, Barbara uh, gets her hand, her arm crushed in the window. Right, yes. They are much more injured in the initial crash and falling into the river. So they're too injured to exit the car and they drown. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which they actually bring into the movie. They do, because she's like, oh, my arm is so cold, right? Like that because it's... Mm -hmm. Because her arm is crushed. Because her arm is crushed. It's not there anymore. No, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. So the next thing we see is them walking back into their house and they're sopping wet. Mm Mm-hmm. And a fire just magically appears in the fireplace. They have not questioned any of this yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once Barbara's hand catches on fire, probably another, like, that she can't feel it, right? Because right. it was, like, crushed, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, they start to question what exactly is happening to them. And they discover that they have, in fact, died. Mm-hmm. Part of the part of the reason they have figured this out is because there's a book in their house suddenly called Handbook for the Recently Deceased. No big deal. No big deal. So now they figure out they're dead. And they're trying to figure out what exactly to do with that information. Mm-hmm. But now the house is unoccupied. And Jane waste no time. Waste no time. <laughs> Selling it probably at quite a reduced price, actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> to Charles Dietz, who is a New York real estate developer who has had a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. Something that's never said explicitly, but is hinted at continuously. Oh, he times. had a yes. full-on nervous breakdown and so has moved out to Connecticut to 
find some peace to relax, mm-hmm. right? He brings with him his wife, Delia, and his daughter, Lydia, who are not rural Connecticut people. Let's just say it that way. No. Delia is an artist. <laughs> She's a sculptor. And um, she makes weird ass art. She makes weird art. She does. And she's also, she's just like trying to embody postmodernism in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things she wants to do, she's also just very shrill in a delightful <laughs> way. And yes. like Catherine O'Hara just nails it mm-hmm. at every turn. There is not, there is not a moment. And like, I don't think I've ever seen a moment where Catherine O'Hara was on the screen and it fell flat, mm-hmm. but certainly not in this film. No. Right. And Lydia is just a goth. Yeah. Like she's just a goth. And, uh, and an, an inspiring photographer as well. Yes. So she's also an artist. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Delia and Lydia do not get along. No. Lydia is her stepdaughter. Right, yeah, Charles's da- daughter. Yes, not, you never. I'm assuming that her mo- her real mother is dead, because they don't mention her at all. Yeah, they don't mention her one bit. And she like never, she never threatens to go live with her mom or anything, right? Like, so I'm assuming that right. that her mother um, is gone. So Barbara and Adam are alarmed because not only have these people who are very different from them moved into their house. But Delia is threatening to completely gut it yep. and undo all of their years of hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, so they decide that they're going to try to scare them away. Right. The issue is they can't see them. Or so they think. Mm-hmm. Charles and Delia can't see them. Lydia can. Mm-hmm. So they try a few things to try to scare them doesn't work because they can't see them they're just going about their business and then they find an advertisement for a bio exorcist mm-hmm. named beetlejuice and mind you this time like at this point they've they've you know partially gone through their guide for the recently deceased right um guide handbook handbook thank you mm-hmm. i was like that wasn't right <laughs> um yeah they got they've gone through their handbook for the recently deceased um to some degree, uh, and are kind of just trying to figure things out. They've, you know, they, oh yeah, they, they figure out that they can't leave the house. Oh yes. <laughs> they figure out that they very much cannot leave the house. Adam tries to leave the house and ends up on this barren wasteland. Mm-hmm. And this is when we are introduced to the sandworms. Mm-hmm. So they figure out pretty quickly that they're stuck in the house, which makes sense. If you think of any haunted house movie, right? The ghost is stuck in the house. They would leave if they could, right? But But they can't, so they don't. (laughs) But they can't, so they don't. Uh, So they see the advertisement for Beetlejuice and they think about contacting him, but they're not really sure how. Mm -hmm. And he seems a little shady and they're not quite sure. So they go back to their handbook and they figure out a way to get into the official afterlife right which is one of the most brilliant sequences of the film oh it's so good because the afterlife is essentially the dmv yes (laughs) 
But worse. But worse. <laughs> it is at once just hilarious and just utterly bleak. Like to think that that's what happens to you after death. You just have to wait for a couple hundred thousand years in an, in an office. Right. <laughs> Get an appointment. Get an appointment. <laughs> Take a number. Like <laughs> take a number that's in the millions, yes. right? But they do. They meet uh, Miss Argentina, mm-hmm. who is the receptionist, and she explains some things to them. And she introduces them to Juno, who is yes. their caseworker. Mm-hmm. And Juno is, when you think about it, she's she says you should be. At one point, she says you should be glad that you didn't die in Italy, and that. Combined with her name, combined with the fact that Beetlejuice, who claims to have lived through the Black Death, used to be her assistant, which right. implies that she's older, leads me to believe that she, like, lived through the Roman Empire. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, like, how old she is. <laughs> yeah, Juno's been around. Juno's been around. Juno's awesome. Um... But she instructs them to get rid of the Dietzes themselves, that they have the power to do so. They can haunt the house, but they're trying to do too much. They have to start simple. They have to do what they know. And they are under no circumstances to summon Beetlejuice. Right. Because he is nothing but trouble. Mm -hmm. They almost immediately don't listen to her. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, not almost immediately. So I guess they do try to listen to it. They, they try. They try to. They try to do some haunting. They try to go with the old ghost under a sheet tactic. Right. Well, because they can't see him, so right. it, you know it makes sense. They right. need to become yeah. visible. Right. Um. It doesn't work because Charles thinks that it's Lydia playing a prank. Mm-hmm. Delia is knocked out because she is quote sleeping with Prince Valium tonight. <laughs> and Lydia can see them, but she's not scared. Right. Right. Because they are very much not scary. Right. They're just normal <laughs> They're people. just normal people. Um, but they try that. Lydia takes their photograph. She tries to convince her parents that the house is haunted. They don't believe her. They think that she's just, you know, complaining and, you know, that this is just a teenager's way of rebelling and because she doesn't like the new town, she doesn't like the new house, she doesn't like the new situation. Mm-hmm. So they don't believe her. So finally, in an act of total desperation, they go ahead and they say Beetlejuice's name three times. Four choices. Yeah. And they get sucked into their scale model. So... One of the things, well, actually, Adam's entire personality is that he's building this model of the town, right? Yeah, yep. And they get sucked into it, and they have to dig up Beetlejuice, mm-hmm. right? And they do. And then there he is, comes out, just immediately starts sexually harassing Gina Davis. Oh, immediately. Just, uh, you know, is completely disgusting and pervy and skeezy, and they just regret their decision to summon him right away. Mm-hmm. and eventually get themselves out of the model, leaving him behind. But they don't put him back. Right. 
they have not said his name three times again, so he's still loose. Mm -hmm. So originally, in the original script, Beetlejuice is much more like fucking Pazuzu, right? Like he's, or like a djinn, right? Which makes sense because you have to, like, you have to summon him. He can't just, like, move about freely. But... Yeah, he's like he's supposed to be like of Middle Eastern origin. Hmm. In the original script, obviously they rewrote it because they cast Michael Keaton. Right. Um, Very different. But you can still see elements like the having not being able to move freely. He's been imprisoned and he has to be summoned mm-hmm. or freed. Right. Is still you know kind of in that vein. But anyway, so they decide okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna associate with this guy and. They decide that they're going to try one more big move mm-hmm. to scare the Dietzes. And this is where we get the infamous day of scene. Yes. <laughs> Which, again, is just brilliant physical performances by every single person at that table. Every last one of them. As they are possessed mm-hmm. and forced to dance to Calypso music and then attacked by their shrimp cocktail. Yes. Which was, it's a thing of beauty. Which was a great surprise ending to that whole dance. Right. <laughs> the shrimps were just suddenly hands. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hand made out of shrimp. Mm. Yum. Which would be a great Halloween dish, to be honest. Somehow make the shrimp cocktail... Into a hand? Into a hand. I like this. Mm-hmm. Mm. We're going to make it happen. Somehow. Somehow, some way. Somehow, some way. Uh, meanwhile, mm-hmm. Charles is not actually relaxing. Nope. Because it's not in his nature. Mm-hmm. So while his wife has been, you know, completely revamping the entire house into this sort of art installation in itself, he's been looking at the town mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how he can make money off of it. Right. He calls one of his developer friends in... New York, who is played by Robert Goulet. <laughs> yep. Which I love. I love how often Robert Goulet just pops up. Like, oh, look, it's Robert Goulet. Why? <laughs> He's here. He's living. He's here. He's living. Well, well not just... anymore. But right. back then, he was. Right. Um, but, you know, he's not interested. He doesn't, he doesn't want to, you know, he thinks that it's the middle of nowhere, Connecticut, and they're not going to make any money on it. And exactly. like, he's like, just, just relax and have your peaceful country life and don't worry about it. Well, then when the, when they're haunted mm-hmm. and they go through experiencing Deo, mm-hmm. they're like, wait a minute. Right. This was amazing. Right. The exact opposite of what. Yeah. Barbara and Adam just aren't good at this. No. Mm-mm. Which I mean, to be fair, like that would be a terrifying thing to experience being possessed. It would. But they were like, we loved that. People would pay lots of money to be possessed. They're probably not wrong. I mean, realistically, no. But they were going to turn this town into a paranormal. Now he wants to turn this town into a paranormal attraction. Yep. Sort of like Roswell did. Mm -hmm. With like, now everything in Roswell is like UFO themed, right? Then Beetlejuice sees this and he's like, I'm going to take a stab at this. Mm -hmm. Because I'm already here. Right. <laughs> I'm going to scare him. I'm going to scare him. Which is when he turns himself into a snake. Right. 
where in in place of the banister. Mm-hmm. And instead of just scaring them, inadvertently almost like kills Richard. I'm already forgetting everyone's names. Charles. Charles. Charles Richard. You know. Right. He's violent. He is. Right. Unlike, mm-hmm. unlike the Maitlands, who are just going to like have them have a fun little dance party. Right. He's like, no, I'm going to toss you off the stairs. Mm-hmm. Right. At that point, Barbara and Adam finally put him back. Yes. But now Lydia's mad at them because she thinks that they did that. Mm-hmm. And there's all, it's all this big up misunderstanding. And amazingly, Charles and Delia are not deterred. No. Oh, they also have with them almost at all times, which is hilarious. Oh, Yes. Delia's interior designer. Yeah, Orlo. Ortho. Ortho. Whose name is Ortho. <laughs> and, oh, no, no, no. It's not even Or. It's O. Otho. 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 Yeah. Yes. Whose name is Otho. And he is extremely weird. He, he's had every job you can think of, including being a paranormal investigator. Yes. At one point. Yep. And he was... <laughs> he says he was a hair analyst. But only briefly. But only briefly. Briefly. And he's super into this idea, mm-hmm. right? He's like pushing it forward. He's like, no, we can do a seance. We can get them in here. We can impress them. Mm-hmm. We can turn this whole thing into, this is your million dollar idea. Yes. Right. So Robert Goulet and his wife show up. After the Deo stunt fails, Juno transports them back to the other side to yell at them. Yep. Because they have majorly fucked up. They've revealed themselves to a living person. They've summoned Beetlejuice. It's just bad news bears. Mm-hmm. All around. Yeah, Jim's pissed. <laughs> she is pissed. And she's like, you need to fix it and you need to fix it now. Mm-hmm. So they go back determined to try. But decide on their way back from the other side to their house that they really like Lydia. Yes. And they want Lydia to stay with them. Mm -hmm. So they're just going to learn to live with her parents. Mm -hmm. The issue is that at this point, her parents have already set in motion this turning the town into a paranormal attraction. Mm -hmm. So Bob Goulet and his wife are up in Connecticut. They're being, you know, they're being wined and dined. They're being presented with all of these Truly ridiculous ideas for paranormal attractions in the town. Mm-hmm. And then Ortho does... Or Ortho... Ortho. Why do I keep saying that? And then Otho starts his, quote, seance, which he doesn't actually know how to do. Right. So what he does end up doing is exercising them. Yep. So they appear in front of everybody and they see them and they're made visible, but they almost immediately start to decay. Mm-hmm. right and when they were in the other side they saw this room in this like big labyrinthal building that was full of all of these miserable souls that had been exercised so mm-hmm. like it was this is this is bad news for them right this is going to be an eternity this is hell essentially mm-hmm. right so lydia who had had an encounter once with beetlejuice already but hadn't gotten sucked in because she was too smart for him right decides that they need help or they're gonna die again and she goes and she summons beetlejuice Mm -hmm. but he 
agrees to help on the condition that she will marry him. <laughs> Which is weird and gross because she's like 14. Yeah. And he, well, I mean, he's like 2000. So <laughs> just a just a small age gap. Just a small age gap and you know, he's kind of like moldy little little gross. Little gross. Bad bad oral hygiene. Mm, very bad oral hygiene. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and if he's from the Middle Ages. They didn't really have, like, crest back then. That's fair. No Colgate? Come on. No Colgate. <laughs> no, Colgate wasn't around until the 16th century. Oh, okay. Fair enough. But, but she agrees because she loves her new friends and she doesn't want them to be banished to an eternity of misery. Mm-hmm. So out he comes. He manages to stop the exorcism. But he's really just in it for himself. There's some sort of hullabaloo that he's like, if he gets married to a human, he doesn't have to go back into the like prison that he was in. I don't know exactly how that works, but that's, that's his thing. So he summons up a minister and he starts the marriage ceremony between himself and Lydia. Mm. Meanwhile, Adam and Barbara are trying to say his name. He has her parents tied up. Adam and Barbara are trying to say his name three times, but he keeps stopping them in various hilarious ways. Like taking Adam's teeth teeth out, turning Barbara's mouth into a zipper. And eventually he just transports Adam into the model Mm -hmm. and Barbara into the sandworm land. Right. Which I've heard is supposed to be a moon of Saturn. Like, that they've actually been transported off the planet. I mean, that makes sense. It, it clearly, makes sense. Because it clearly, like, it doesn't look anything like Earth, yeah, right? It definitely looks like it's they're on another planet, for sure. But that plan backfires on him, because what ends up happening is that Barbara ends up riding a sandworm into the house, mm-hmm. which then appears to eat him? That's what it seems, yeah. It looks like it swallows him whole and takes him to another dim- back to that other dimension. Right. But, notably... They do not say his name three times. No, they do not. Right. But he is at least taken back to that, like, afterlife realm. Mm -hmm. Because the next time we see him, he's sitting in the waiting room. (laughs) Yep. And just harassing everybody in the waiting room. Which is what he does. Uh, And we also see that the Maitlands and the Dietzes manage to live peacefully, mm-hmm. right? Delia is filled with all of this new inspiration for her work, right? By all of these crazy things that have happened. They transform the house basically back to what it was before. Uh, you know, Charles is very happy and Lydia is much happier mm-hmm. because she's now essentially being parented by the Maitlands instead of the distance. Right. <laughs> and it ends with her floating in the air and sing- or, uh, dancing to Harry Belafonte. Sweet dreams are made of these. Indeed. <laughs> song's not in the movie. But... That song is not in the movie, but... So that's it. That's the whole story. It's not a particularly, uh, you know, thick plot. No, no, no. There's not a, there's not a whole lot of... There's, there's mild amounts of complexity to it, but... Right, yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things, but mo- mainly this movie is visual. Oh, absolutely. Even the house... Mm-hmm. Like, even when the house 
Even before Delia gets her hands on the house. Oh, the house is stunning. The house is stunning. And the house is also completely illogical. Yeah. You oh, cannot yeah. look at the outside of that house mm-hmm. and know where the rooms are. Nope. At all. Mm-mm. The kitchen is seemingly... Like, from the outside, the kitchen is somehow higher than the attic. Like, <laughs> Yeah. When they... Uh, in the scene when Delia was, you know, renovating the house entirely, the kitchen is on the third floor. Yeah. It appears that way. Yes. Because that's when the, the sculpture goes through the window. Right. The sculpture goes through the window in midair. Uh-huh. And yet it almost hits Charles, who is standing in the kitchen. Right. Like, what? <laughs> what? And then, of course, the absolutely just brilliant effect of the remodel, at which point you have even less of an idea from the outside <laughs> what's going on in the inside. Suddenly that. it all seems way too big. Yes. To be, like, in that house. Mm-hmm. And then, like, her concept of just, like, adding walls to the outside of the house. Yes. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? I actually kind of love that. Oh. Like, because she makes these little decks, and it's actually, I'm like, that's actually a great idea. Yes. When, when they're setting it up, I'm like, what are they, what are they doing? And then, yeah, there's, like, multiple decks that she added. I think the funniest part of that is that the little decks match... The house. Yes. Like, she mm-hmm. doesn't make them different. She makes them match the house. Mm-hmm. But yeah. That, and then, of course, the, like we talked about before, the just, like, extremely cheesy, but also just gorgeous special effects. The fact that the afterlife is more colorful. Yes. Than the real world mm-hmm. is really great, right? Like, so you go, they go into the afterlife, and everybody is, like, green or purple, and, and like... Everything is sort of has this like yellow tinge to mm-hmm. it. And when they go, when they find, or when they find, when the, when they stumble upon the sandworm realm, right? It's like this, this glaring yellow sand and this yep. bright blue sky. And then like this, you know. Is it like a green planet that's in the background or something like that? Yeah. I think the, yeah, I think the, the like rock formations are yeah. like a crazy color too. Like mm-hmm. not normal rock color. And then they get, then they come back to their house that Lydia got to and it's just gray. Right. (laughs) Everything is gray. Everything's gray. Gray. There's metal accents. I'm like, this is in, in certain aspects, the epitome of the nineties. Oh yeah. Well, the eighties, but well, yes, but I mean, but yes, but but this carried, this carried forward into the nineties for sure. This is very much like a, this is very much like a parody the house, what the house becomes is very much a parody of like what rich people in the 80s and 90s, like the yes. yuppies, how they decorated their houses and like yep. how they like those New York high rises that like, you know, had furniture that it hurt to sat on and to sit on and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But and even in little subtle ways, like even even outside of the sort of Burton-esque kind of like fanciful world. There's just like so many moments of visual brilliance in this film. Like one of my favorite scenes or sequences, I guess, it's not even really a whole scene, is when Lydia is trying to get into the attic for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it's during Delia's renovation of the house. Yes. Right. So she sees she sees Adam and Barbara in the window and she's like, There's somebody up there. Jane drives up to give them a skeleton key and she's like, Oh, the skeleton key will allow me to get into the attic and figure out what I just saw. Yep. There are 
workers sanding off the wallpaper mm-hmm. at the base of the attic stairs, which is creating all of this dust, right? And that, along with the backlighting, makes it look like Lydia has stepped out of this like foggy yes. realm, right? Mm-hmm. It's just such a... But Burton shows you the sanders first. Right. So like you know where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. So it's just like it turns it into a gag, which I think is so funny, right? Like the the fact that Beetlejuice is stuck in the model of the town, mm-hmm. you know, creates all of these opportunities to use those sort of like intentionally cheesy special effects to their advantage. Oh, absolutely. Like one of my favorite moments when he kicks over the tree. <laughs> And says, nice fucking model. And then Adam just puts him. He's, right. like, he's, like, he's always, what's funny about Adam is like, when I say it's his whole personality, it's because like, he's always fixing it. Like Beetlejuice mm-hmm. keeps messing it up or, or they they mess it up, like whatever, but he keeps fixing it yep. from the outside. Like even dead, he wants it. Like he's agonizing over where to put their graves in the graveyard. Yes. <laughs> Which he suddenly managed to make like wreaths. Wreaths. Well, I mean, that tells me that he had them already, and he just painted them, their names on them. That's he had to. That, oh, right? absolutely. But yeah, he was so into this that he had cemetery wreaths. Right. You know, just in case if there's a cemetery, or there's a cemetery that day. If there's a funeral that day. <laughs> there's a cemetery that day. <laughs> oh, look, we have a cemetery that day. Today, there's a cemetery. 30% uh, chance of cemetery. <laughs> but... Uh, like he like I can imagine him seeing that there's a funeral going on and then suddenly putting those up in his Yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> this is his entire personality. Mhm. It really is. And Charles finds the model. Mhm. Part of the reason that Beetlejuice is able to come back is because they've moved the model from the attic to the living room because mm-hmm. Charles is using the model to pitch his ideas to the Right. Um, developer. To mm-hmm. Bob This movie as a whole is just, like, it's just not, there's, the movies aren't made like this anymore. No, movies are not made like this anymore. Even Tim Burton doesn't make movies like this no. anymore. It's very sad. It's very sad. But it is, it is true. Like, the, the aesthetic became the entire film. Yes. Tim Burton wouldn't be as big as he is today without, like, this and, and of course, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Right, right. Yeah, it was really, so Pee-wee's Big Adventure was a hit. Then this was a hit. Mm-hmm. This has grossed $74 million. Well, and let's talk about, I mean, the amount of money this movie has made, right? Like, not only do you have the animated series, mm-hmm. right? You have now a Broadway musical that opened a few years ago. Yeah, back in 2018. They keep saying there's going to be a sequel. But just the sheer <laughs> amount <year>. of <laughs> merch. Oh, God, yeah. Do you know how much fucking Beetlejuice merch I own? Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. And, um, like, every time you go anywhere. Yeah. I, not that I want to advertise for anyone, but there's a certain uh, brand that... Uh, not to say it without saying it. Um, <laughs> Pop Sockets even have a Beetlejuice line now. Oh, do they? <laughs> yes. They just oh, yeah. There's, like, I think I think there's, like, eyeshadow. Yep. In Amanda get eyeshadow one year. Yep, yep. And um, countless t-shirts and... Like little figurine signs, like signs that you can hang in your house that say things like, oh, I'm, I myself, I'm strange and unusual, mm-hmm. or my whole life is a dark room, or it's showtime. Right. Right. Go ahead and make, make my, my millennium. millennium. 
So that is it for Beetlejuice. Join us next week when we'll be discussing Halloween Kills and releasing a special bonus episode where we review Halloween Ends. Mm-hmm. Which thus far has been somewhat polarizing. Yeah. So it, I'm very interested to see it. Yes, I am too. Yeah, I have not watched it yet. I haven't watched it yet either. But I've seen a lot of tweets about it. Yeah, yeah. And the tweets are anything from that was an insult to the series mm-hmm. to this is my favorite Halloween movie. Right. So what is it actually? We don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. We'll let you know. Mm-hmm. But until then, of course, like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify. Uh, you can, of course, follow us on Instagram at F and Frights Podcast and our Twitter, F and Frights Pod. Uh, We will be getting back into our monthly YouTube videos as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, due to it being Halloween, we will have a new costume this year. Yes. A new perfect pairing. Stuff will change. A new perfect pairing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) With a twist. Mm. (laughs) Uh, And of course, find us on Facebook at Friday Night Frights. Uh, We have our website, fnfrightspodcast.com. And, of course, scream at us at scream at fnfrightspodcast.com. And last but not least, we do have our Patreon, Mm -hmm. our Fright Club. And Katie? Yes, Sean. What is the first rule of Fright Club? First rule of Fright Club is never trust the living. Never trust them. It's just not not worth it. Best advice you'll ever get. Best advice. Apparently here, though, you can't trust the dead either. I was just going to say, you also can't really trust the dead. So then we just get into Trust No One, which is a different show. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Completely different vibe there. Different vibe. But still something I love deeply. Oh, absolutely. So, gays and ghouls, join us next Friday night. We'll be in for a fright. But until then, sleep tight.